ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity Season 5 Episode 5 of the podcast Got my friend Seth Taylor on the podcast today The Cost of Healing Yes, you are not the only one losing blood. You have come to the right place. ASI247.org. My name is Russ Shaw. Today on the show, the cost of healing. Because everyone says that, right? Like, you've come to the right place here. We have the solution. We have the cure. We got the fix credit cards accepted, right? Pay your money. We will take care of it for you. Um, is there truth in that? That's, uh, that's the question my friend Seth Taylor and I are going to get into today, as well as uh, first, I'm going to read a survey responses from a listener who calls himself Waterfall of Shame. Man, I can relate to that uh, that feeling, that title, that handle. Kicking the show off with 6 a.m. That is uh, You Have Come to the Right Place, the song from Prayers for the Damned album. <laughs> Love that. Nikki Six, uh, bass player, songwriter for the band Motley Crue back in the day. I'm drawn to stories like that where folks have hit the pinnacle of success, right? Like a lot of the thought process of a lot of us, I think all of us at one time or another think that if I just had enough money, if people just saw me as important, if I was successful, man, I'd be set. Motley Crue in the 80s, one of the biggest, hottest selling bands. They had plenty of money, success, fame, women, right? But still feeling like it's bland, feeling like it's like the disappointment of this is it, feeling like it's still not enough to fill the thirsty soul. So at least for me, it was the drugs, right? It was the chemical dopamine. As long as I can keep that flowing, it would put it. And I thinking about someone who's wealthy, successful, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, um, Amy Winehouse, trying to just keep the noise down, the rhythm of the, the thirsty, hungry heart and soul. There's not enough there to fill my soul, right? Because I think being wealthy and famous, it's a lot harder chemically. Uh, Nikki Six died twice, a drug overdose. I uh, I can relate. I died of a alcohol overdose uh, for two minutes. So I love art that comes out of someone who saw their way through the other side. Um, unlike Jim Morrison, who wrote that song, right? Break on through to the other side. There is another side, but it's how do we get to that place and stay alive in the process? I mean... Losing someone like Jim Morrison, Bon Scott, Amy Winehouse, this is a tragedy. And I do think that rich, famous people have it worse. People with trauma in their hearts or maybe just more conscious of that energy, that noise that feels like it needs to be numbed. 
I think they have it worse than the rest of us. So, yeah, stories like that, artists like that, um, modern-day King Solomons, so to speak, right? And when you can make art that expresses what it feels like to break on through to the other side. Love that. Here's another one from the Prayers for the Damned album. I love this message. It felt like that. Like this. Here you go. When I wake up to the sound of demons They're always telling me that I'm no good And all the angels keep scratching at my door Uh, 6 a.m. That that song, part of the heart of this podcast was some of the mixed up messages I got from my religious upbringing, and that you know that that God that people would call me damned, right? Um, I'm sure I had religious relatives, people at the church who thought I was going straight to hell. I mean, I had long hair, rock T-shirts didn't want to go to church, right? It wasn't that that kid. Um, but if you're going to, right, if I'm damned, why don't you say a prayer for the damned, right? That's a introducing an interesting paradigm there. It also inspired one of the surveys on the survey page, asi247.org, saying goodbye to pornography forever, if that's something you're interested in, um, that's part of the theme of this season five of the podcast. G two P four E. All right, that's the code. Writing that down someplace, it's like a subliminal message to yourself. Right, that you've made that decision. Now, what does it mean to make that decision and to move forward from there? Is porn the bad guy? Is porn the problem? We're going to get into it today. But first, I want to read uh, some survey responses by a listener, uh, again, who calls himself Waterfall of Shame on the survey titled, God and Me, Life-Giving Relationship or Toxic Religion? To date, there's been 17 people have filled out that survey. It's the most popular survey on the survey page. Uh, I want you to realize that some of this is data collection and some of it's infotainment, all right? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a clinician. But these are questions that I was asked, and I felt like they um, – moved something around in me, right? Like these were questions. Some of them are just clinical questions. They are. But some of them are questions that, you know, if you think of a a, a, a pipe that's clogged, right? Some of that getting the hair and the mess out of it so things can flow as uh, part of what these surveys are about. At the beginning of each of these surveys, I ask you to come up with a clever nickname or handle for yourself, and this uh, gentleman referred to himself as a waterfall of shame. He is male, uh, age 50 to 59. That's something also that is to be noted, all right, because I know a guy 
who said he met with his pastor and his pastor was just like, you know, you'll grow out of it. Um, That's the worst advice ever. This is not just a problem for young men, all right? Um, Continuing on, here we go. What was your religious affiliation in the beginning, the home you grew up in, childhood? Choose the answer that best describes your history. He said, ambiguous believers. My parents believed in God as higher power, but we never went to any religious activities like church, temple, mosque, uh, synagogue, etc. Choose a worldview that best describes the dominant idea of God in your household, your understanding of a creator growing up. He said, uh, Christian, Protestant, non-denominational. Page two, any develop." mental or theological exposure like Sunday school as a kid? Yes, some. Were your parents on the same page when it came to God or religion? Yes, you could say they were both on the same page, he says. Which statement best defines the relationship with God by those who raised you in your religious upbringing? He says, I'm not sure. We never talked about God in the house. My grandma took Sis and I to church when my parents stayed home. Do you remember a time when your faith, or lack thereof, became personal? No longer your parents, but your own. Please tell a story that could explain that. He says, hmm. (laughs) I love that. Do you remember any spiritual or worldview abuse growing up? For example, church bullies, creepy leaders, aggressive control freaks, sexual abuse, or misconduct. He says, no. Do you recall any life-giving people who inspired your spirituality or worldview by speaking life with hope-filled encouragement that helped you see clearer or helped you make your life better? And he says, nope. So just gathering from the survey responses, I would guess that uh, Waterfall had a you know, loose definition of God growing up, right? And I find his survey fascinating because the God, part of the reason I do this survey is the God that we are introduced to when we're young, the safe place or, right, this the higher power God that we're introduced to. Um, every kid grows up in a home and every kid is introduced to God in a different way. You could use the language of they're introduced to a different God, right? But I really do believe that God is bigger than our own construct that we come up with in our mind or even that we were taught, all right? This Master Eckhart is one of these Christian mystics, and one of the things he said was, God, please save me from God, right? In other words, his construct of how he thinks of God is what he wanted to be saved from. And what I've seen in being in groups with people and hearing emotions come pouring out of that that pipe, right, that clogged pipe, when I've seen that happen, it's usually based on the God that they grew up with had to die, right? That version of the God that they saw or they were introduced to growing up had to die. My very conservative Christian God didn't like Rushaw. You know, I was convinced that this God loved me, but it wasn't me that he loved. He loved a future version of of me that I wasn't. And I couldn't seem to get myself to the place that that to become that kid that God would love, right? So when I read the Bible for myself and actually came across scriptures like Ephesians two eight, for by the grace of God you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin for us, that in him we be become the righteousness of God. These pieces of scripture flew in the face of the God I grew up with. That was 
life-giving for me. That opened up my mind to a different reality of the God, that the mean God that wanted me to perform, the one I had grown up with. The God that I grew up with was not a savior in my heart and mind, all right? He was a condemner. Actually, it was a different version of Satan, really. It was accusing me day and night. It was telling me, like that song by Nikki Six, my my demons were right there in the morning to tell me what a piece of garbage that I was. So while Mr. Waterfall did not grow up in a religious house, somewhere in his social construct, there is the voice that has him feel that level of shame. And again, like I talked about in the last podcast, it's the shame monster that, right, the shame demon that is the higher demon than the porn or sexual compulsion character that keeps yelling at us, right, that keeps calling out to us, that has a voice and is constantly trying to coax us back to the computer screen. There's something beyond that, all right? And again, when I use talk about demons, I'm referring to C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters a bit there, all right? I'm not being literal as much as I'm being metaphorical because our relationship with it is where the bondage of our will resides, okay? That it is higher, a higher power than us, right? It's a kind of functional, idol-like God that we did craft somewhere along the way. And it will work to keep trying to draw you back in. And as it does, that's when we start to feel like we're out of control in our own bodies, Listen, this thing does have a voice, and it will speak to you, and it will draw you back in in those times of feeling alone. And I'm just trying to introduce the fact that just maybe, just maybe, there's a a shame voice sitting behind there in this constant habitual feeling out of control in your own body, man. I was there for years, man. I I don't want you to feel like that, all right? I want you to see you heal and get some freedom from it. It was so tough for me to just even start. But that's where the sweet spot is. That's where the magic happens, just outside of our own comfort zone. It's funny how my ego seems to really love my comfort zone, but my spirit is in there going, this is so freaking boring. I just need out, right? It's uh, almost 90 degrees in Seattle, and uh, I'm down here in the basement where it's it's pretty dang cool. I'm digging it down here. It's good. Let's get into the Echoes survey, shall we? The new survey. I have two respondents in that one. The title, the full title, Me Too, Echoes of Sex, Secrets, and Real World Struggles. I have two people that have filled that out, and I'm excited about this one. Because I don't ask you any data collection questions. I just go straight for the heart and getting into, like my friend Seth Taylor says, um, how it feels. Where does it feel? What does it feel like? Not that our feelings should drive us or we would become slaves to our whims, all right? But the fact that we do feel things is part of the reason we don't like to go after our heart. That Part of the reason that hierarchy shame demon is in control, right? And he loves to sit up there and say things like, Oh yeah, don't worry about your feelings. What is this namby-pamby emotional stuff? Be a man, right? That's, that's that shame demon again. Um, here, so here we go. And thank you to the respondents, the people that were brave enough to fill this out, uh, getting into this survey. Think of a clever handle or nickname, uh, Escape The, is the respondent's name. Um, Blank is my secret, and it feels like 
spending thousands of hours on 900 numbers and webcam, it feels like an exciting hole to jump into when I go to these sites. So yes, excitement. That's one of those emotions that, oh, I need that hit again, that dopamine. That's the excitement. Um, when it comes to my unwanted behavior, I don't love this anymore because it costs me time and money and the unavailability to myself and the world. That is so true, man. In this, this is my struggle, and I feel the weight of water pressing on me tenfold. With the feelings that G2P4E stir up, how could this be turned into eyes wide open kind of energy? An artistic spiritual presence, um, the respondent says. Beautiful responses, man. Thank you. Um, this one, respondent uh, filled it out nine days ago as this is being recorded. Uh, think about clever nickname, Mr. M. Blank is my secret and it feels like... He says, porn is my secret and it feels like I will die and the noon will ever... And no one will ever know about it. However it eats me from the inside, I feel sick about it. When it comes to my unwanted behavior, I don't love this anymore because because it steals my time away. It steals my health as I don't eat properly, I don't work properly, don't sleep properly, etc. As I close my eyes at the night, all these images I've seen during the day keep coming up in my mind and I want and I want it to stop number four this is my struggle and I feel the weight of trying to cope with it alone page two um, the last question with the feelings that G2P4E stir up how could this be turned into eyes wide open kind of energy um, he skipped that response the solution, right? Thinking of the way out, how we think about the exit door to our compulsion is incredibly important. Um, I'm going to get into my chat with Seth Taylor on the other side of this bumper. First of all, I want you to realize I was going to put this on the other podcast. So there's another podcast, uh, the ASI Shortcuts podcast, where I upload small, less than 15-minute little podcasts. Um, this went went a little longer than that, and there was a, a sound issue. All right, Again, I know, every time I have Seth on the show, there's some kind of messed up sound issue that goes on right there's always some resistance when uh when truth shines through isn't there the demons in the background jacking with things i don't know you could go to those places but it it's funny how that's just happened so i'm go i was going to put it on that but it went 18 minutes and again so Beginning in this show, man, this show started with me recording myself as I'm driving into a tape recorder, all right? True story. Analog cassette tapes. And then I would encode them into my, like, Windows XP computer back in the day, right? 95. It wasn't Windows 95. That would be really old. But you get what I'm saying. So... Yeah, I was using a recording device that was sitting on my dashboard while the fan was running with the AC in the car, and it made a, a buzzing noise that it's not through the whole audio, all right? It's just through a few minutes, but it is hard to listen to for a few minutes there. But again, content, I believe, is more valuable than the clarity of audio. And while some people geek out about the clarity, and I, I was even tempted to scrap this show, but it's got such good content that I just couldn't let it go. Um, I love my friend Seth. I value 
our relationship, and I'm glad that he spends his time uh, talking with us and being on the podcast and, and this time that I, I we were just hanging out. Uh, but I said, hey, let's record something in the car. And, and so he, he graciously uh, spent this time with me just after getting done with a retreat up in Alaska. So, yeah, his voice even sounds like it. He sounds a little spent in his voice from uh, encouraging guys up there in Alaska. The reason I wanted to tackle this topic and why I was talking about celebrities and rock stars, uh, my friend John and another listener of mine talking about this book that Neil Strauss wrote. Um, Neil Strauss wrote a book called The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. Um, that book back in the day, that, that book came out 2005, about the same time I started this podcast, ironically. But Neil Strauss, I don't know how many of you have seen the film Magnolia with Tom Cruise's character at the beginning um, you see this seminar where this guy is teaching like Tony Robbins or someone like that on how to pick up women. Um, that's Neil Strauss, not the character. Now, he's not as sleazy as the character portrayed by uh, Tom Cruise, but still that was you know very wolf-like kind of predatory attitude towards picking up women. Neil Strauss is an accomplished author, and speaking of Motley Crue, he actually wrote The Dirt, uh, Motley Crue's basically tell-all story about being this crazy rock band in the 80s. Uh, Nikki Six's book, The Heroin Diaries, was considered by some the anti-dirt uh, basically exposing some of the hurt that came from living that kind of lifestyle. He also wrote a book about uh, Marilyn Manson. He wrote The Rules of the Game, kind of a sequel to the game. But the book that he wrote recently that caught my attention and another listener of mine, um, we were actually trying to get him on the show. I'm going to keep trying to get Neil Strauss on the show. I think he'd be a great guest. Uh, the book's called The Truth an uncomfortable book about relationships. And basically in the book, he talks about this game, right? And how he was a sex addict. Like he came to this point in his life where he was just using women and not feeling the warm, right rewards and treasure of a relationship and just feeling alone. And so he checks into one of these super expensive um, retreat kind of rehab, sexual addiction rehab facilities. And I, you know, so I, I'm talking with Seth, who, who again, just taught one of these uh, kind of men's retreat type of things. We're, we're, we get into, is this healthy? Is this good? Um, is this another way that the rich and the famous can have a harder time recovering um, but Neil in the book seems to draw some some good uh, stuff, I guess, from his going to that place. He says, I recommend it. He says, if you have the money, spend the money. Go to one of these intensives, right? Uh, but the jury's still out on that. We just don't know. Is, is spending $50,000 being um, isolated from your friends and family for two weeks to a month is that healthy long term jury's still out on that one in my opinion and uh, we get into it uh, right here on the other side of this bumper baby I don't wanna think about it all I wanna be is under your control
Seth Taylor by pilgrimage retreat. You just uh, got back from a a retreat, right? Yeah, yeah, we did a retreat. We had about 17 guys plus a bunch of staffers up in Willow, Alaska. Willow, Alaska, by a lake. Nice, amazing. Was it warm? It was Alaska. It, well, it, it was supposed to be. Right. <laughs> they, like, they've had an unbelievable summer the entire, I mean, it's, the weather's been incredible until we got there. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm from Seattle, but it just decided it was going to rain the whole time. So it was <laughs> 61 and rainy. Oh, man. But Alaska in the rain is still amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah. We hit the mountains. Guys went hiking. We did a bunch of hikes. We had guys land on a glacier airplane we had guys fishing on a river nice. all kinds of stuff so we just made sure everybody had the right gear and it was incredible man. and we did some incredible healing it was amazing but that's that's what I wanted to talk about real quickly on the short podcast getting beyond the surface level um, healing so we live in American kind of consumerist culture where and the topic that I was gonna put on this podcast is how much is the price of healing, right? Because a lot of people put it, they put a number on it, right? And they say, I talked to a few guys over the years who have spent tens of thousands of dollars to to buy healing, right? right. So that's one thing I want you to listen when you hear me say this, because I'm not trying to sell you Seth's idea. And Seth isn't either, because I know Seth, and that's one but great it's an thing. But it's an important question. It though. is an important yeah. question, because I think Very people important. people are suspicious. Huh. First of all, is this just a way to make cash? Sure. And you didn't get paid a whole hell of a lot of friggin' money to do this, No, either. no, no. We actually you wrote yeah. the book, you wrote the material, you and your brother did. Yeah. But um, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, because there's people who... Again, have spent because there's a cookie thrown out there or a carrot, and and when you're addicted, when I was addicted, I mean, you you went through this too. Like, I would, you know, I would do just about anything. Yeah. If I had the money, I would have paid fifty thousand dollars sure. easy. I didn't sure. have fifty thousand yeah. dollars, but yeah. so. Tell me about some of the, the, the getting to the roots of it. Because part of this is logistics. I mean, it does cost money to fly to a place. It does cost money to bring people together. It does cost money to get far enough away where your cell phone don't work. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's important. It was, it, it was two grand each for each guy. Plus, they had to take care of their travel. And the two grand covered the money. I right. mean, covered, uh, covered the food, lodging, that kind of thing. Transport to and from Anchorage. But, um, you know, it's a really... It's a really interesting question because obviously, you, if we're going to pull something off like that, we have to, it's going to cost money. But that that money thing, there's the whole the whole debate in the world of healing when we talk about therapists and all that kind of stuff right. is the question of can someone heal when it's just given to them? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, like uh, Craig said, Craig talks about it. He always says they some they need some skin in the game. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's true. And and the, I don't think that that's a a blanket concept you can throw over anyone. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I've seen guys. I've seen. I've seen myself. I've, I've given things to guys before and watched them heal because they were just that desperate. But um, it's those. It's those people that say I won't do anything unless it's given to me. Healing. They're not ready. Yeah, you know what I mean? they're not ready. That's right. I was in a space when when I was an addict. I got to the point where I would have paid anything to heal, but I couldn't. But when someone says, you know, spend sixty grand and you've got to isolate yourself from your family for three months at this little, this this right. place in Arizona or something like that, I'm like, nah, I don't buy that yeah. because and that's just because of my spiritual thinking. Because I'm thinking the whole time, if God is real, it shouldn't cost me sixty thousand dollars and have to isolate myself from my family. So my my whole thing is, I actually started doing my healing on my own. You know, my brother was going to White Raven Center up in Alaska, and he was learning things, and he was teaching me things. I was just trying different meditative practices, and, and it started working. Right. And but then I took out what I decided to do was like, okay, I'm gonna take out a credit card, and I'm gonna max this card on healing. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I maxed it. To, it was a five thousand dollar card. I maxed it on healing, thinking if I heal. Someday I will be able to make all the money I want. Right. Because I was convinced that my pain was the thing keeping me from being able to actually do that. Right. Um, which is fascinating, you know, because I, and that's what's ended up happening. I'm moving in a direction where there's 
plenty of money, but it's but it's not. I'm not making money for a lot of money from healing. Right. I'm making money in other directions because it opened up my creativity. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where you know the whole the two thousand bucks for this part of it's a, just the branding. Hey, we're gonna take you to Alaska. We're gonna be in this wilderness experience. We're gonna give you all these you know chances, do all this other stuff. Right. Um, so and you just got back. Like they're planning another one next year. Yeah. In June. But we're not selling that. I just like yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. Yes, go if you want to go, but it's going to be a year from now. So sure. some folks who are listening now, you may need to have a more mindful yeah. approach to today, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a big part of what, what you talk about, what I talk about, that we're getting under the surface. We're, we're not talking about, you know, kind of surfacey. What are the, the, the techniques that I can do today? Bouncing my eyes and all these are good disciplines, I suppose. But unless you get below the surface yeah. and really dig out some of those those yeah. wounds and those hurts, yeah. that's uh, well. That was the thing, you know, with my pilgrimage when we were there, and we we reemphasized that thing. I said, guys, if you're here to to learn how to bounce your eyes and stuff, you're just you're in the wrong place, you know. Right. <laughs> I said this this is very much about everyone here understanding. This is not a fight. Yeah, and porn not is, a battle. And, and porn is not your problem. Right. Porn isn't the the bad guy on no. the other. It's not. It's no. not ISIS. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've been saying the whole time. Porn. Porn is medication. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, and right. some guys really fought us on that. It was fascinating. Even after reading the book and stuff, they're like, they're like, you you don't think that that it's, I mean we need to deal with this? I'm like, no no no. You want to go to war with the porn industry? You can just you have at it and spend as much time and energy as you can and see where it gets you. Yeah. You know what we're gonna try to do is deal with the thing that's being medicated. Because porn is a, a simple supply and demand concept. Yeah. It exists because we demand that it exists. You deal with the things inside you that demand it, that require it, that need it. You will not need it anymore. Yeah. And that is that, and is that simple. And different people have different medications. I mean, there were guys there that weren't there to even deal with porn. There was yeah. guys. We had several guys there that were going. My my pornography was kind of a simple thing for me. Like, and they were they were like, my biggest issue is that feeling of it's my issues with money. Uh-huh. A lot of guys dealing with issues of money, like and how, like me, yeah, dude, you and I <laughs> like are very similar. <laughs> For me, the porn thing was kind of the first thing to go, right? But when I started diving into my addiction to this kind of self hatred thing and how it manifested in my financial life, it was a huge, huge, huge thing. Right. And I'm not talking about Amway, you know, prosperity crap. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dealing with that depressive sense that you cannot be creative, you cannot overcome, you cannot. It's like everybody says, change your thinking and you can change your life, and but you can't change your thinking yeah right no matter how hard you try there's something inside you holding you back and that was the thing that that you know I've spent the last three years working on that right you know and I'm finally on spirit body yeah like connection total it's an embodiment of an internalized God in a sense that hated me right it's like I told Rob Bell that one time he's like man you have a lot of energy dedicated to this whole money thing and I was like I created a God Rob I said I created a God that hates me and now I'm trying to kill that God (laughs) and he's like oh Okay, it's right. like this is a little deeper kind of concept, but we try to bring that to the guys. So honestly, it was it's fascinating. The last talk I did up there, you know, Craig Gross came to me and said, "Hey, man, can we kind of circle back around and talk a little bit more about, you know, the pornography stuff?" And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, sure." But the guys, their questions. Once we got them past that whole thinking, their questions dove so far below that, yeah. which is such a deeper place. That they were all they weren't all sitting around worried about porn. They were thinking like like they were diving into their deepest, deepest, deepest stuff. We were talking about sexuality. We were talking about mom, dad, disconnection from God, from ourselves, from yeah. each other. It was a really, really, really powerful time. And most of the guys and we we all did some deep uh, what we call processing, some deep internal work. We had some healers there working with us, some facilitators, and it was. Uh, it was an incredibly powerful time. And some of the guys told me, I asked them straight up, what made this worth the money? I said, was it worth the money? They said, yeah, absolutely. I said, what made it? I said, the healing. Right. It was the healing. Yeah. Like, I mean, we like you guys. The teaching was great. And, and Alaska is a great place. And, but it was the healing. Right. Because guys were like, I, I'd do anything for that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was an amazing. That's getting under the surface. It's funny that you mentioned gods. It's like, uh, there's that story in the Bible comes to mind in Acts 17, right? Where... I think it's Acts 17, where, where where Paul has so disrupted the 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 idol gods of the culture that he's in 
that they start to rebel, right? Because they have these little silver gods that they're selling, and nobody would would wanted their silver gods right. anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. So they start to want to kick, kill Paul and kick out the Christians because, hey, you guys are disrupting our little industry right. of little silver gods, yeah. right? Well, and that says a lot. It's fascinating because the statistics about how many people are leaving church right now. Oh, it's yeah. really interesting that way. And people talk about the way the way that the church establishment is at times kind of going to war with that whole thing instead of acknowledging that the way our God has functioned has been much like an idol uh-huh. because this is kind of the human condition is to create idols and when the church and the church decided at some point that it was their job to hold an idol up instead of to constantly being leading to transformation because right. they didn't want to acknowledge that true freedom is we don't have to keep coming back to this God over and over and over again and asking this God for forgiveness and asking for this God's approval I don't have to give glory to something that is glory right. I don't have to worship something that is the embodiment of all things that are worship it was just after a while people started going this isn't working anymore and they're seeking true freedom and in the church the church would be good to actually acknowledge that yeah like and Romans 12 Paul says it's, it's your life is pouring out that's yeah. worship yeah my life is a constant pouring out right. absolutely and we're being and, and eventually uh, we get to the end of the bottle and we yeah. die <laughs> and we were being we are being made new and even that death death at every level is a transformation and yeah. nothing dies it only transforms exactly and so we Einstein said that yeah you yeah know, that's the thing I mean we all quantum physics has really led us into that space quite a bit it's, yeah. it's one of those things where I just what we are trying to do with my pilgrimage and, and a lot of that work that we did up in Alaska and that we're doing through the work in the book and, and the program is trying to help people tear down those idols within them yeah. and, and, and open it up to an entirely new way of doing freedom and pornography addiction when when you're walking this pilgrimage, when you're walking that path, that, that's a, along the way. At some point, that just falls off your back, right? And it does. And it's about taking one step at a time. I heard a guy say that years ago, and it bugged me, Seth. But it bugged me, it made me curious. And it's about what you're talking about now, and the therapy that I've been through the last year and a half or so. He said this. He said, he said, don't worry about the pornography. When you go after the wounds and the hurts, it'll shed like hair off a dog. Yeah. That's a really good way to put <laughs> it. I like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Oh, that's great. That's really good. And that's really how it works. I Actually, with the guys up there, we're talking about Pilgrim's Progress a lot. And I was saying, remember that scene? You know, if anybody's seen the film or read the book, when when they, when they Pilgrim is at the cross and the, the burden that he carried, his backpack or whatever, right. just falls off his back. And then he keeps going. Right. right. He keeps going. The story's not done there. The Pilgrim, the, the, at some point, that burden falls off your back and then we keep walking. And we, we find that that thing can grow larger and bigger and more transformative as, as you go. And we can actually, you and I have been talking about this today, we just, we can change our entire reality. Yeah. The question is, are we satisfied with this burden? This burden's gone. What about the other ones? Right. And is it true that all things are possible or not? Yeah. And a lot of, the, and this journey calls us into facing, facing that fact that most of the things we say we believe, we don't actually believe. Yeah. And that we have to actually come to this point where we go, are we curious if those things actually hold water or not? And if they do, are we willing to walk into the parts of us that don't believe it? Right. You know, what we just Are we willing to smash our little silver yabuts? Yeah. 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 When a lot of the guys up there, at one point when we were doing the opening circle, when somebody was talking about something and I pointed out the atheistic part of him, I said, this is your atheistic part. There's a part of all of you guys here that doesn't believe in God, uh-huh. and we need to stop talking about ourselves as if we we are just these holy believing beings. <laughs> right. we it's very clear that we're not. It's very clear that, and what we need to do is accept that and be okay with that, acknowledge it, give it a voice, because yeah. that's the truth, man. When you're when you start speaking that truth out of your your guts, all of a sudden we're doing the Jewish thing, we're doing the King David thing, where we're saying, "My God, My God, why have you right. forsaken me?" Like Jesus thing, yeah. you know, ripping our clothes, pouring the ashes on the head. That's that's a much more a much honest, more true, real, honest, yeah. Christian way of living. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not American-branded so. evangelical. That was the last podcast on the main feed, by the way. We, uh, me and three friends, two friends of mine, uh, the three of us, talked about that, the branded idol superego of the evangelical system. Dude, it's awesome. We, 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 there was a guy from Australia at our thing. We were talking about Hillsong. Everybody's like, Hillsong's awesome, man. Their music's awesome. And some other guys started getting pissed about it because it's such a brand. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, all the bouncy, shiny, happy people. And I go, hey, can we all acknowledge that the music rocks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the music's amazing. They're incredibly talented. It's really powerful. But can we all acknowledge that, 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 that trying to pretend 
that the God that is being portrayed is is the reality for all is where, where we run into that problem. And we really use that. But the music's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Going. It's amazing. It's really powerful art. Yeah. But when the problem is is that music so often is it part of the branding our brand of, of God, God is yeah. the right one yeah the city you're in a city church idea. the worship experience of city church will communicate a very specific brand yeah. and a very specific God and it's shiny it's happy and it's bouncy yeah. and it's prosperous there's yeah. lots of money involved it's all that kind of stuff you go to you know some you can go to some churches where you walk in and the worship experience is like our God sucks at music he's terrible he's mediocre there's all you know what I mean there's all this like growing up yeah it, it just communicated this constant sense of this weird kind of tribe. Our God was kind of a, I don't know, kind of borderline homeless slash mentally ill <laughs> slash psychopathic. You know what I mean? That was my experience right. growing up. And everybody's God is different and because God is a construct at that level. And we were we were really working on that with the guys this weekend about them turning and facing their God. Yeah. And what most of them experienced was when they started to let that thing tear down a little bit, they started to discover this, this kind of flooding in of a new experience right. of God. And, and, yeah. Oh, dude. And what, what, that's what healing is. Healing is just replace, taking the dark spaces and just flooding in the light. Yeah. Right? And these guys were, I mean, there was guys that were going, were realizing that God was real for the first time. Right. And they'd always believed, yeah. but never actually. It got, it got beyond religion. Yeah. Yeah. It was a deep, deep spiritual experience. And they're finding, and we were emphasizing the whole time, that any experience of God has to be a deep experience of your own humanity. Yeah. God is not out there. God is within the human. He's in the midst. Yeah. You know, the Celts called Jesus the fully human one. Right. It, Jesus was coming to show us the, the fullness of our humanity. Yeah. What it is to be fully human. And, and, that, and that means completely united with the divine. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, beyond money it, it is that place right. that you find, you reach, you get to. And it, it floods the dark spaces. It, it opens up the dark spaces. The dark spaces are where the light shines through. And it's if we didn't have cracks, yeah. light wouldn't shine through, yeah. would it? Dude, they're doing the Switchfoot thing. Man. That's their new album, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah where oh. the light shines through. Oh, yeah, that, and they've that's had, right. they've had this great Instagram campaign where people are taking pictures of and, uh, like a, a sign with their struggles. Oh, wow. Now, like one guy said, ADHD is where the light shines through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And it's that's beautiful. that's the whole thing, man. We're understanding that it's where we get to and that it is within us at the same time. It's already there. Yeah. Now, that's why pilgrimage is an inward journey. And the external journey is a mirror for the inward journey. Yeah. And that's how it has to be. Amen. So, yeah. This is Russ Shaw. Seth Taylor. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Later. Bye. Dude, I... And there goes Seth Taylor. Um, Good little chat in my car that we had at the park down there in South Lake Washington in Renton. ASI247.org, again, is the website. Check out the survey page. It's one of those things that's getting outside the comfort zone a little bit, all right? It's just dipping your toe outside the comfort zone into the little out comfortable like i don't know if i can answer these questions or a, that seems like a personal question listen you're anonymous and but this is the the deeper stuff and I, i'd love to have you on at, at the podcast by filling one of those out especially the ones with the feelings all right they're not clinical they're not data collection i don't even ask what sex you are but I do ask how this feels, what it feels like, and that's important. Um, so, also the podcast itself, does it? Do you feel like there's anything you're getting out of it? You know, it's one of those things. Do I still continue doing this? I ask myself some of that a lot, and then I get an email from a listener. It's like, all right, this is still making a difference in people's lives, but it, it goes to economy and value, right? Have you found any value in these podcasts, um, listeners? If you have, uh, if any of you, I know it's not always monetary, but it does cost money to keep this thing up and to keep the production vibrant. That's where you come in. 
I'd love for you to join this story by just using a little bit of your life energy to keep it going. And money is life energy. Doing Uber and Lyft for a living now, I've realized that it's sort of like my monthly bills are a bathtub full of water. And every ride that I do doing Uber and Lyft is sort of like a tablespoon that I'm filling up that bathtub with every month. And so any of the life energy that you have to help fill that bathtub up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It gives me the time to actually do this podcast. And I'm not talking about a lot of money. Most of the rides I do around the Seattle area are like five, six, seven dollars And each ride is time-consuming. So that little bit of money matters. So if you want to give, man, I, I would certainly appreciate it. You can do that right there on the website, ASI247.org, and click on the co-producer give link. Time is is limited and short, as it were. Um, Seth, his website is SethAllenTaylor.com. And uh, you can reach him there. His books, The Connections, MyPilgrimage.com as well is uh, Seth Taylor's, uh, the conference that he went with, Triple uh, X Church. Seth's work is all over Triple X Church website right now as well. Um, going to leave you with this song by Switchfoot that we were talking about there. Um Don't be afraid to let the light shine through. Yes, there's wounds. Yes, there's past traumas. But what if, just what if, that really is where the light shines through? Till next time, um, I do love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Kindred spirits, you and I. Bye. You're tired to keep the wound camouflaged and The stitches heal but the years are lost and Another bottle on the shelf can't numb the pain Why are you running from yourself now? You can't run away Cause you're scarred